Welcome to the revolution. And welcome to the coast. We're glad that you're here this morning. Hey, I want to share a couple of things just as we get started before we get into our, our current series. Uh, at the beginning of the year, God spoke a couple of things to me. One is He spoke that this is going to be a year of clarity, that it, it's 2020. It's going to be a year of 2020 vision, that God is going to start to make the vision clear for what He wants to do. He's going to start to show us and give us a real direction, almost like the fuzzy edges are going to kind of crystallize and move in. We're going to be able to see what God wants us to do. And I really believe that 2020 is going to be a huge year of progress for us in our mission and what we're doing here at Coast. And the other thing that God spoke to me was make room. Two words, make room. And there's a couple of different applications. First, God spoke to us to make room during our worship time. How many of you could feel the presence of God in the worship today? It was just powerful. It's just powerful. I believe there's a new anointing coming on that. I believe God's getting ready to do something amazing even during that worship time. And then he said to make room during the messages for anything that he might want to do. But then he said make room for people. And so because of that, we've made that decision to go to double services starting on Easter. We're excited about that. The new times will be 845 and 1030. And I just want to encourage you, man, come get involved Find a place to get involved during those services. Uh, find a place. When you get here, get here early. Try to move as close to the front as you possibly can. I know there's a lot of you that are backseat people, and I get it. I understand. We want to leave those seats mostly for our guests. And so unless you're on the usher team or that sort of thing, move up front. And I want to, I want to encourage you. If you want to change the spiritual atmosphere of this place, move to the front of the building. Man, respond Worship with all of your heart. Respond during the messages. You can help turn the spiritual atmosphere in this place. Amen? Amen. Amen. Then a couple of other things. March 15th, we're going to be doing Food Truck Sunday. and That's always a lot of fun. We bring the food trucks out. We ask you to hang around. Uh, you can grab food and, and that sort of thing. And instead of going out to lunch, just have lunch you know, here with us and, and spend some time, get to know some people. But we're also going to do a ministry fair at the same time. So you'll get to see all of the different ministries that are here. You can ask questions and find out just how you can get involved. And boy, we need you to get involved uh, during that time. And then March 22nd, something amazing is going to happen. You know, we've been praying for quite some time, especially in our Wednesday uh, prayer. We've been praying for God to move in our community, just a, a move of the Holy Spirit in our community. We've been praying for unity in our churches, and we've been praying for uh, the spiritual climate, just a, a spiritual awakening in our community. How many of you have been praying for that? I know it's not just me. I've been talking to people, and they've been sensing it for quite some time, that there's ha something happening uh, one of my friends posted this morning on Facebook, and I saw it. He's a pastor friend. He says, something has shifted. Something has changed in the spiritual climate. God is, is getting ready to do something amazing in the churches here. And we believe it. Well, not too long back, uh, a couple of us uh, pastors from local churches here in the Gulf Breeze area began to pray together and really ask God to change the spiritual climate of our community. And what we've decided to do is something, and, and this is still in the planning stage. People say, how's it all going to work out? I don't have a clue how it's all going to work out. Sometimes you just have to step out and trust God, right? You have to be Indiana Jones, right, at the end of the thing and say, I'm just going to trust that when I take the step, God is going to meet us there. And that's what we're doing. That's what we're believing. So we're doing a thing called the tent, the tent. And what we're going to do is we're going downtown in Gulf Breeze proper, right across from the Publix there. There is, on the other side of uh, 98, the south side of 98, there is uh, Gulf Breeze Bait and Tackle, and then there is a big empty lot. We're putting a huge tent out there. It's going to be there for the week of the, eight, uh, the, the, the 22nd through the 28th. And during the day, we're going to have it open for anybody that just wants prayer from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. That's our goal. Uh, we're still working out the details on that. And then every night we're going to just have a time of seeking God's face together, seeking God for our community. 
And it's a big ask, but I want to ask you to join us. I want you to ask you to be a part of that. We're believing that there's going to be a move. How many of you would love to see a move of God in our community? I mean, a real move of the Holy Spirit. I mean, we're praying for that. And, and I'm telling you, it's not just us. It's other churches. We're coming together as a community. Uh, this, this area has never been really good about unity between churches and that sort of thing. And this is a huge step. And I believe it's going to shift the spiritual atmosphere in our community. And so that's coming up March 22nd. We're excited about that. Now this morning, this is our first Fruits offering time, we do this every year. First fruit offering is a celebration that the Jewish people have been doing almost since the beginning. Uh, In the book of Proverbs, the book of wisdom, it says this, Honor the Lord with your possessions and the first fruit of all of your increase. And then watch what happens. Do we have that verse? They're working on it. There it is. Honor the Lord with your possessions and the first fruits. Everybody say first fruits of all your increases. And then watch what happens. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be overflowing with new wine. And by the way, new wine in the Bible is representative of the Holy Spirit. It's just like we're, you know, we're even praying in and believing for a fresh move of the Holy Spirit in this. And this is a promise of God. It's a covenant agreement with God. When you, God says, when you bring me the first, and that's really what God is interested in. God is interested in being first place in our life. And he says, when you bring me the first, I'll bless the rest. And so God says, at the beginning of the year, I ask you to bring a first fruits offering. And the Jewish people would literally do it like this. They would plant their crops, and then they would watch and wait for it to grow. And when it would grow and start to spring up, and all of a sudden it would, it would have that first little inkling of a, of a new fruit or a, 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 a vegetable, they would take and they would wrap a little ribbon around it because it was the first. And then when it was fully matured, they would bring it to the church, to the, uh, to the temple, to the, the priest, and the priest would lift it up in the air, and they would pray over it, and they would bless it to the Lord. And uh, God made a covenant with his people. When you do this, when you bring me the first fruit, now you've opened the door for me to bless the rest of the harvest throughout that year. Well, that's something that we believe in, and we're doing that today. And, and one of the things that we've done here in turn is that we take the first fruit of the first fruit offering, and we bless another church in our area. Last year, we were able to give a struggling church $1,200 that really helped them turn the corner, and they're prospering. They're, they're, they're actually making it now, but they were at a critical part, and your giving helped make a difference uh, in that. And it was just a huge blessing. Uh, to them. So today, in just a minute, we're going to bring the first fruit offering to the Lord. And what we're going to do is we'll have a couple of ushers that will be up here. We're going to bring it and bring it to the Lord at that time. Now, quick just reminder this is only the first fruit offering. Your regular offering still at the close of the service. That's where your tithes and all that. So don't put those in, you know, differently. You got to put those in separately. Uh, this is the fourth year that we've been doing the first fruit offering. And I'll never forget when we first started. Vicki and I just gave a gift that was way above what we could afford, and God turned around and blessed us with almost uh, two and a half times that, just unexpectedly. We weren't expecting it. And every year, it's been a sacrifice for us. Matter of fact, here's the check that, that Vicki and I have that we're giving. And when we prayed about it, we wanted it to be a sacrifice, and we kind of uh, talked about what we could afford to give, and then we doubled it. And we just believe that God's going to meet us in this, that God's going to do some great things. We believe that this is a year, a 2020 year of, of vision and blessing and God moving and making room. And so we're, we're, we're planting that seed. So we wanted, I wanted to be the first to actually put that in and, and it be a part of the, uh, the giving this morning. So I'm going to ask if you can, uh, the, our ushers are here, uh, Jeff is going to play, and if you would, you can just stand to your feet and bring it up. At the close, we'll pray for you to the center. Can I get some people to come up? We're going to pray over this. All right, we're going to lift it up. We're going to do just what the priest did. So anybody that wants to come up and pray, just come up and join us. Father God, we come before you as a church and as individuals within the church to bring our first fruits offering to you. 
And Father, we just declare that you are first in our life. You are first place in our life. You are first place in our church, in our community. But Father, in our hearts especially, in our families, you are first place. And so Father, we take this offering and we open it up to you. We bless you. We praise you. Father, we pray that your name would be lifted up and glorified. And Father, we thank you and step into your covenant promise for us. And Father, we give you praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. We're in a series right now called Love is the Revolution, and I believe that with all my heart. I believe that probably one of the most revolutionary things that you can do in your life is love well. I think that, that it's a game changer, that when we really start learning how to love people like Jesus loved, how do you even say in our culture, in our climate right now, there's, it, you don't see a lot of love. You don't see enough love. How many would you agree with that statement? See, we could be a huge, huge difference. It really could be a revolution if the church would rise up and begin to learn to love people. And so what we've been doing is we've been looking at 1 Corinthians 13 and taking a deeper look into that scripture and really see what God has to say. This is the chapter that's known as the love chapter. And so today we're kind of going to be, we've been talking about definitions of love and what love is. Today I want to talk about something that love is not. I'll give you, did you know that the most common destroyer of friendships is not anger, it's not impatience, it's not apathy, it's not unkindness, it's envy. It's envy. And in 1 Corinthians 13, 4, the Apostle Paul gives us another definition of love. He says, love does not envy. Love does not envy. It's impossible to envy somebody and love them at the same time. So what is envy? You might write this down somewhere on your message notes. Envy is resenting God's goodness to others and ignoring God's goodness to me. It's, it's resenting God's goodness to others and ignoring God's goodness to me. That's what envy is. Now, we tend to think, you know, that envy is not that big a deal. But did you know that the Bible clearly says that envy is behind most other sins? James 3.16 says this, Where there is envy, you will find every kind of evil. Now, that's interesting. Let me just give you an A to Z list of some of the sins that envy causes. I'm not going to read all of them, but I want to give you a few this morning. Adultery. It's because of envy. People envy somebody else. They envy their spouse, so they steal them. Bitterness. You resent people and, and the things that you wish you had achieved. There's complaining. There's uh, conflict, dishonesty, exaggerating. People will overstate their accomplishments out of envy. Gossip. We build ourselves up and we tear other people down out of envy. Hypocrisy, insecurity, judgmentalism, manipulation, murder. The very first murder in the Bible was out of envy when, when Cain murdered Abel. Obsession. Envy can cause you to obsess over a person or a thing. The Bible tells us that, that envy can make you power-hungry, rude, sarcastic, spiteful, stingy, stubborn, unforgiving, ungrateful, unkind, and vain. Not a pretty picture, right? The Bible says that envy can turn you into a warrior and a workaholic. Ecclesiastes 4.10, look what it says. I've learned why people work so hard to succeed. It's because they envy the things that their neighbors have. The Bible says in Proverbs 14.30, a heart at peace gives life to the body. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly or experience it to the full. He wants to put his peace inside of us so that we can have life in our body. But it says envy rots the bones. So this thing, man, is, is, is really bigger than we, we really think about. When we think about envy, it doesn't seem to be right up there. We think it's just kind of a little thing, but it's huge. Nothing destroys a friendship faster than envy. It destroys families by sibling rivalry. It destroys businesses. It destroys neighborhoods. It even causes countries to go to war with each other simply out of envy. See, this is one destructive sin. 
So if envy is destructive, what do we do about it? How do we deal with it? How do we get it out of our lives? Because we live in a society right now that is filled with envy. So what is the antidote for envy? Well, sometimes you have to learn what to do, and sometimes you have to learn what not to do. In Matthew 20, Jesus tells a very famous story. It's a story about some workers who were working in a vineyard, and a story about people who became very envious. The story is about a farmer who comes out, and he hires some guys to come work for him in his vineyard. And he hires some guys at the beginning of the morning, and then four different times during the day, he hires other people, right up until almost the last hour. He's hiring more workers. To the first group, he says, look, I'll pay you a set wage. I'll pay you what's fair. And, 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 and he says, here's the set wage. I'll give you a dollar a day. The others that he hires, he just tells them, look, I'll pay you what's fair. They don't agree on an amount. They're just trusting him to be generous and to be fair. So at the end of the day, he pays them in reverse, and he decides, you know what? I'm just going to pay everybody the same thing. No matter how long they work, I'm just going to give them all the same amount of money. He didn't pay the people that he hired first any less. He gave them what they contracted for, which was a dollar. But what made them upset was that he gave the other workers the same amount, and they felt like they don't deserve it. They worked less time, and so they became very, very envious. So I want to talk about the antidote to envy using this story this morning. And I want to give you five things that you need to do if you really want to break envy out of your life and learn how to love in a revolutionary way. Here's the first one. Write this down. Number one, you must stop comparing yourself to others. That's the very first one. Stop comparing yourself to others. Comparing is the root of all envy. And we see it in Matthew 20, starting at verse 9. It says, Those hired last came up and saw that they were each given a dollar. And when those who were hired first saw that, they assumed they would get far more. In other words, they immediately started making comparisons. Look at what they're getting. So we're going to get more. We deserve more. We, we ought to have more. They were comparing. Now, this is something people get caught up in all the time, comparing ourselves to other people. We compare the way we look. We compare the houses that we live in. We compare what we do for a living, what we're wearing, and on and on and on. And you should never, ever, ever compare yourself to other people for two reasons. Number one, the first reason is because you're unique. There is nobody else on the planet like you. There's nobody else that has the same mix of gifts and talents and abilities. The problem is, is we're always looking at somebody else and thinking, well, they've got this, well, they've got that, but they don't have what you have. You are unique. And one of the best things that you could ever do is find out how you're wired. This is what we do in our growth track. Find out how you're wired and follow that course for your life. Live out the life that you have using your gifts and your talents because you are unique. There is nobody else like you. You can't be compared to anybody else. Second thing is that if you start comparing, it leads to one of two sins, either pride or envy. Pride, if you compare yourself to other people and you go, yeah, I'm better than them. I, I, I've got this going on. They can't do this and all that. That's pride. Hey, man, and that's a dangerous, dangerous sin. Pride's what got uh, Lucifer kicked out of heaven. I mean, God really, matter of fact, the, the, the Bible talks about humility and pride, you know, and how God looks at it. God takes pride very, very seriously. And then there's envy. Envy is where you look at somebody else and you think, gosh, I wish I had what they have. I wish I could do this. So pride, I'm doing better than them. Envy, they're doing better than me. Never, ever compare yourself. It always leads to pride or envy. A lot of times when we envy somebody, we see somebody's success, but we don't see their backstory. We don't know how they had to work or what they had to sacrifice. We don't know the pain behind their success. And it might just be that if you knew what they had to do to get what they have, you might not envy them, right? How many times have you heard stories of businessmen who have sacrificed their families and gone through several, several spouses and all of that to achieve the success that they've got. See, when we get to heaven, God's not going to look at you and say, how many businesses did you start? He's not going to ask you about your accolades. You know, you know what he's going to ask you? He wants to know, how did you do with relationships? Did you love me? Did you love others? 
Once you know the backstory of people, you may not envy them as much. Envy occurs when you really don't know somebody intimately. And you can see people's strengths from a distance, but you got to get up close to see their warts, their faults, and their, their failures. Once you get up close to people, one of the things that you'll learn is from the distance, they look you know, like they had it all together. But when you get to know people, you'll find out they're just like everybody else. They have the same hurts. They have the same hang-ups. They have the same problems. They, they're, they're real people with real problems and real pain, and real struggles. And everyone has that. But see, you don't see that from a distance. You have to get up close. And when you see them from a distance, it's a lot easier to envy them. Which is why celebrity culture to me. Celebrity culture is so unreal. It's amazing how many people worship celebrities. We see the success and we think, you know what, their life is amazing. And many times it's not. And there's a steady stream of celebrities who are in rehab, whose lives are crashing and burning and unraveling. And it's hard in the spotlight. You know, we think they have it all together. We think they're so happy. They're living this carefree life. Listen to me. Nobody, nobody, everybody say nobody. Nobody's as cool as they appear. They're just not. They've, everybody struggles. Everybody. People may look like they have it all together, but if you get up close, you see that they're just working through life like everybody else. And they may be strong in some area, but they have weaknesses in the others. They may have some success, but they've also had pain and heartaches. And here's the thing you need to ask yourself. If you really knew their story, do you want their pain? No. Do you want the heartaches that they had to have to get to where they are? You see, God gives us a grace for our lives. There's a grace over us for you to be able to deal with the things that you're dealing with in your life. If you were to sit down with somebody and just say, all right, let's throw all of our problems out on the table, and, and you say, listen, and you can pick and choose which problems you want, you would take the ones you have because there's a grace on your life to deal with those. And you need to understand that. That makes it why, so important why we shouldn't envy other people. There's a grace on our lives. So the first antidote to envy is just getting to know people. Get up close to them. Pray for them. Develop some relationships. Because if you love them, it's almost impossible to envy them. Build a bridge instead of barriers. Start some relationships. You know what envy does? It isolates us. But fellowship binds us together and helps us to know each other. And envy's been around forever. It goes all the way back to to the book of Genesis. You can see it. If you want to stop, if you want your love to be revolutionary, the very first step is stop comparing yourself to others. Here's number two. Write this down. Start enjoying God's grace to other people. Start enjoying God's grace to other people. When you see God being kind or good or gracious to other people, learn how to uh, enjoy it. And not resent it. Learn how to be happy when God is blessing other people. And, and look, I know this feels unnatural. It does. This is the exact opposite of what the vineyard workers did. The guys who worked all day from the morning on, they got what they contracted for. They weren't cheated. And when the farmers came, the farmer came later and he paid all the workers and he paid the ones who came later the same amount, they didn't rejoice. They resented it. The Bible says the workers who had been here who had been hired first, thought they would be given more than the others. But when they were given the same amount, what happened? They began complaining to the owner of the vineyard. He said, are you envious of the fact that I am being generous to them? They resented it. Romans 12, 15 is, an empty ver is a very interesting verse. It says, rejoice with those who rejoice. Would you say that with me? Rejoice with those who rejoice. Now, there's another part of that verse that we used last week when we talked about kindness, and that is weep with those who weep. Can I tell you, uh, the, it, it's easier to re weep with those who weep than it is to rejoice with those who are rejoicing. And it's crazy, isn't it? The second half of the verse is easier than the first. And it's easy to have compassion. It's easy for your heart to go out to somebody and, and show kindness and, and all of that. And, you know, sharing their hurts is easier. We talked about that last week. But it's harder to handle when they've had success. 
Most of us, we don't handle the success of other people very well. In fact, we're threatened by it. We resent it. Because somehow in our minds, this is what we see. We see life like this big giant apple pie, and it's all cut up into slices. And if God gives you a bigger slice, I'm going to be nervous that my slice is going to be less. But can I just tell you something? Everybody listen to me very carefully. God's got all the apple pie filling in the world. He's got more than enough to go around. You know, God is always... See, we think if somebody else's slice is bigger, mine's going to be smaller. But see, God doesn't run out of blessings. There's always enough to go around. And, and just because God blesses somebody else doesn't mean there's not enough for you. He may just bless you in a different way. He doesn't bless us all the same. We all get blessed in different ways. We need to learn to rejoice in the blessings of other people. Now, because envy is such a hidden sin, we don't think that it's all that bad. I mean, it's, after all, it's not murder. It's not lust. But the Bible helps us to understand just how dangerous of a sin it is. In fact, it's a very mean sin because we can find ourselves wishing less for people or, or wishing bad things for people. It deval- devalues people. It can destroy relationships and it can make you critical. Matter of fact, one of the things that I've discovered is that when people are critical, and I'm not talking about constructive criticism because constructive criticism is helpful. I'm just talking about people who have a critical spirit. Have you ever been around somebody with a critical spirit? It's almost always related to one thing. You know what it is. It's envy. It's envy, almost always. The main thing that envy does is it keeps you from entering into the joy of other people. Someone's getting married and you're not married and instead of rejoicing with them and being happy for them, you resent it. Someone's having a baby and, and, and you're envious. You're not rejoicing with those who rejoice. Or someone gets a promotion and you're thinking, well, why didn't I get a promotion? I deserve it more than they did. And instead of saying, you know, good for you, I'm with you, that's awesome. Well, we, we resent them for it. Someone gets an inheritance and you're struggling financially and you're thinking, why them? Why, why not me? So as a result, you don't enjoy a lot of things that are going around in the world. And half the time, you walk around and you're just miserable. You're miserable. Man, sometimes we walk around and we are miserable because we're resenting everything that's happening good around us. See, if the only time you're happy is when something good is happening to you, you're going to be unhappy a lot of times. Because something good doesn't happen just all the time. But if you can learn to be happy for other people, then you can walk around in happiness all the time because good things are always happening somewhere around you. See, it's a choice. Envy's a choice. I can choose to rejoice or I can choose to resent. And that's the choices. Choosing to rejoice brings so much more happiness. Now, a great place to practice this is in a small group. A small group isn't just a place to share your hurts and your sorrows. It's also a place to rejoice with other people and to cheer them on. There's an old saying, and I love this. It says, when a sorrow is shared, it's cut in half. But when a joy is shared, it's doubled. I love that. Here's the third antidote. Write it down. Be grateful for what you have. Just be grateful for what you have. Instead of focusing on what you don't have and what didn't happen, focus on what you do have and what did happen. Now, again, this is something that has to be learned. It doesn't come naturally. The Apostle Paul writes this. He says, I have learned to be content. In other words, he didn't just wake up content. He had to walk through it. He had to learn. He had to grow in that. It was something that he had to develop in his life. It's a learning process. So instead of being like the vineyard workers and complaining about what you didn't have or you didn't get, you learn to realize, I wouldn't have anything if it wasn't for God. God is the one who's blessed me. Without his goodness and blessings, I would have nothing. Corinthians 4 says this, Isn't everything you have and everything you are sheer gifts from God? So what's the point of all this comparing and competing? You already have all you need. Which brings us to a very big myth when it comes to envy. And and so many people believe this myth, and I just want to explode it right now. Here's the myth. I have to have more to be happy. I have to have something I don't have now in order to be happy. And envy gets us caught up 
looking at other people and thinking, why them? Why do they deserve this? But gratitude flips it around and says, God, you've blessed me so much. God, I'm walking in your blessings. I can feel your goodness. And I'm going to tell you something. You want to change your life? Start being grateful for what you have. Start being grateful for the fact that, that, that when you went through that tough time, God was there. Start being grateful that, that you were able to pay for the bills this month, that you have a roof over your head. Start being grateful for the fact that you had food to eat, that you, that you woke up, that you've got family and, and blessings and all of these things. And you may have struggles and you may have hurts and you may have problems and difficulties, but you know what? Rejoice in the fact you're not facing them by yourselves. God's with you. He's there. He's, he's with you in every moment. You don't have to deal with anything on your own. Man, I tell you something. You want to talk about one of the biggest sources of comfort to me in my life is that I know no matter what I'm going through, I don't have to go through it by myself. Not only do I have a loving Father who is with me every step of the way, God has given me a church family of people that I love, people that I need who walk with me through stuff. And guess what? I walk with them through their stuff. And this is what church is. This is what God always had in mind. It's for us to be a family and love people, love each other, and do something great for Him. That's what we're doing. That's what we're called to do. That's the, the beauty of this thing. And the truth is, man, we all struggle with envy. We all do. And we hate to admit it. But the truth is we do. And one of the reasons that it's hard to admit is because it's such an ugly emotion. It's ugly towards other people. When you're envious of others, you, you find yourself even sometimes wanting them to fail. You don't want to, but it kind of makes your day when you see them struggling. It's pretty crazy when you think about it. But envy is ingrained into our culture. And most of the time when you're feeling envious, it's because we're dealing with our own inadequacies. If I'm envious, I have to admit that I want something that you have that I don't have. And that's ugly. So we're not really honest about it, even to ourselves. And if we could learn to be grateful, if we could learn just to let, be grateful for what God has done in our life, it would solve so many problems. Ecclesiastes 6.9, it says this. He says, it is better to be satisfied with what you have but to always be wanting something else. And so many times, man, that's us. We're always thinking, man, if I could just get that next thing, if I could just get that next to toy, or if I could just get the, the, the new phone, if I could just get, man, those jet skis, if I could just get this, if I could just get that. And we always think that the next thing's going to get us happy. And if we get that next thing, you know, we go into debt and we, you know, we get into all kinds of issues and we think, all right, now that I've got that, I'm going to be happy. And you find yourself, yeah, but then if I could get this. And it never works. And learning to be grateful for what you have, finding that contentment in that place. I'm telling you, it's a game changer. It'll change your life. God, you've already blessed me with so much, so much. Here's the fourth one. The fourth antidote to envy. Trust God when life seems unfair. When life seems unfair, when it looks like God is blessing somebody else in a way he's not blessing you, you need to just trust and relax God. Relax in God. You need to understand that God is worth trusting, that He's trustworthy. He knows best, even if you can't see it. You need to trust Him. You need to trust His plan. You need to trust His timing. And one of the biggest indicators that you're dealing with envy in your life is your language. When you start saying things like, you know what, that's not fair, and why them, and why not me? Man, I, I worked harder than they did. You know, I'm, I'm a committed Christian. And you know what happens? If you're not careful, you start moving yourself from that into legalism. You say, maybe if I, maybe if I worked more, God would bless me more. Maybe if I went to church more. See, that's not it. Right? It's about trust. It's trusting that God knows what's best. It's trusting that God has my best interest at heart, that he knows the pain and the hurt and the blessing that each life can contain. And we just need to trust him in that. In our story, the vineyard workers felt like they were being treated unfairly. They felt like uh, that, that, that the, the, the farmer wasn't fair with them. Not because they didn't get what they were promised. They did. They got exactly what they were promised. But when they came later, 
when the other ones that came later that worked, you know, not as long as they did, got the same amount, they thought, you know what, we're better than them. Notice verse 12. These last workers put in only one easy hour, and yet you have made them equal to us. Can you hear the envy in that? You've made them equal to us. We're better than them. We who slaved all day under a scorching sun. And I want you to notice the, the response from the owner. And by the way, the owner in this story represents God. He says, friends, I didn't cheat you. I paid you exactly what we agreed on. What business is it of yours if I want to pay them the same that I paid you? Don't I have the right to do what I want to do with my own money? Wow. The bottom line of envy is this. When you're envious, you are in a battle with God. That's who you're battling. The problem isn't with the person that you're envying. Your problem at is a deeper level is with God. You're doubting that God has uh, your best interest at heart. You're doubting God's goodness in your life. You resent God's blessing to, to, to someone else. You know, you feel like maybe God loves other people more than he loves you. That God is playing favorites. And before long, you know what you've done? You've developed this whole case against God. I want to tell you something today. God loves everybody the same. God loves each of you unconditionally. And he loves you so much. And God loves you. He loves you. He wants to pour into your life. He wants to bless you. He wants to do everything. He want, he's got a purpose for your life and a plan for your life. And he wants to come alongside you and help you fulfill it and walk through it. So that at the end of your life, you can say, God, you've, I've done everything that you've called me to do. And then you go into your reward in eternity. Man, God loves you as much as he loves everybody else. And the bottom line is this. We just have to learn to trust him. We have to learn to trust him. God has reasons why we don't get everything we want. I mean, do you think that God is duty-bound to just give us everything we want? I say this all the time, but I think a lot of us think of God as this big vending machine up in the sky. And we, you know, plug in our prayer and we push a button and God spouts out the things that we've asked for. But that's not who God is, right? God knows what we need and when we need it. And we need to trust him. We need to trust that he has a unique plan for us. The, The problem is we've just forgotten how much he loves us. We've forgotten you remember the song, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know? <laughs> you know, of all the songs I've ever sung in my life, that's probably one of the most powerful. When you really grab a hold of that and you realize just how loved you are, just how much he cares about you, just how much he cares about your families, just the fact that he's there, he's watching, he's, he understands what you're going through. You know, and I, I, I want to I just stay here for a second because I was going to move on. But when when I first started thinking about becoming a Christian and I was wrestling with God, he was tugging at my heart and pulling me into a relationship with him. And my whole thought process was, God, I, I don't doubt that you're real, but I can't believe that I'm even on your radar. I mean, you guys, there's so much going on in the world. You don't care about what's going on in my life. You're not, you're not thinking about me. You don't see what's happening in my life. You don't see what's going on. And we get so freaked out and so, so afraid that, 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 that we're just this insignificant. But the Bible says that God knows every hair on your head. That God is intimately looking at your life because he loves you. And when all of a sudden that became a reality to me, when I realized that, it was, I couldn't help but say yes to God. I couldn't help but say, God, yes, I want you in my life. I want to do whatever. Here's my life. And if you love me that much, here's my life. God loves us. Here's the thing when it comes to envy. And envy is the fever, but doubting God is the infection. Right? Anytime you're envious, you're doubting God. You need to trust him, especially when your life seems unfair. Here's the fifth one. Keep focused on God's plan for you. Keep focused on God's plan for your life. Don't get distracted by what's going on in other people's life. Center in on God's will for you, what God is doing with you. Take a look at what the owner says to those who are grumbling and griping and felt like they didn't know what they deserve. He said, take your money now 
and go. Right? You know what he's basically saying? He's looking them in the eyes and saying, get a life. Move on. Stop having a pity party. Move on with God's plan for your life. Sometimes we get so stuck in the past. Some of you, you're still upset because you weren't prom queen. That's 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Some of you, that was 60 years ago, right? Come on, you've got to move on. You've got to move on. You've got to move past the past of whatever it is and stop envying other people and stop getting stuck there. It's time to move on. Stop being concerned about everybody else's business and what God is doing for everybody else. And God is saying, man, why should you let their blessings keep you from his plan for your life? He has an incredible plan for your life, tailor designed for you. Hebrews 12.1. Matter of fact, I want to get you guys to read this one out loud with me, if you would. Here we go. Let us run with patience the particular race that God has set before us. Particular. Your particular race. Your unique race. It's only for you. It's unlike his plan for anybody else. It's a plan that he's had for you since before the day you were born, when you were still in your mother's womb. Psalm 139 says, You saw me before I was born and scheduled every day before I began to breathe. And you're unique. You are God's design. There's nobody else like you. And the heart of Coast, the heart of what we are right here at Coast Community Church is to help you find out what that plan is so that you can live it out and you can live out his purpose for your life so that you can run your particular race. And once that becomes clear, man, the plan that he has for you, then you don't envy others. You, you don't do that because you realize all you have to do is be the particular person God has called you to be. You don't have to live up to anybody else. And when you become focused on your particular race, you don't have time to envy anymore. You are so caught up by his plan for your life that you can't be bothered with envy because you're living for an audience of one. You're living for him. You're living for his purpose and what he wants to do for the particular race that God has for you. Now, this isn't always easy. It's easy to get you know, caught off track and start to you know, run somebody else's race and get caught up with what somebody else is doing. So let me just give you a couple of practical ideas before, as we close. A couple of things to stay focused on. First one is get a spiritual partner. And uh, that's not in your notes, but you might want to write that down. Get a spiritual partner. And someone you can trust, someone who can speak into your life, someone who loves you enough to say, hey, you're getting off track just a little bit here. Just want to check, I'm checking on you. I wonder how you're doing. You know, find out. Someone who will talk to you and say, why don't you focus on the life that you need to live? Second thing is memorize some Bible verses. You know, God will bring things into your memory when you need it, if you have it stored up. The problem for a lot of you is that your bank is empty. You need to deposit the word into your life, deposit it into your heart, and all of a sudden, man, you'll find yourself maybe starting the wrong way, and God will bring up that word and say, okay, remember what my word says, and you go, yep, that's right, and I'm going to stay on track. I'm going to run the particular race that you have for me. So here at the end of this thing, at the end of this story that Jesus is telling, he says this, this statement, and it's very shocking. It's a shocking statement. Listen to what he says in Matthew 20. He says, And so it is that many who are first now will be last then. And those who are last now will be first then. He's talking about heaven. He says, If you want to be great, you must become what? The servant of all. This is the great reversal. God says, when we get to heaven, everything's going to be turned upside down. Nothing that we envy here on earth is going to matter there. Not success, talent, beauty, fame, accomplishment. None of those things are going to matter in heaven. God's not going to evaluate how much beauty or talent or wealth you have. He's going to look at you and he's going to evaluate the way you loved him and the way you loved other people. And man, that's the revolution. He's going to look at the way you served others. He says, if you want to be great, you become the servant of others. He's going to evaluate how much you served in love. He's not going to say, how many businesses did you start? He didn't care about that. He's not going to say, how much money is in your bank account? 
How well known were you? No, he's going to say, how did, well did you serve? How much did you serve? We've been saying it all through this series. Love is something you do. It's something you do. Service is love in action. Money and fame are not going to last, but love will. God's going to evaluate. Did you make your life count? Did you sacrifice for others? Did you serve? Make your life count. Stop envying and start serving. Life is about serving. It's not about acquiring. It's not about how many toys you pile up. It's not about how big a house you've got. It's about do you love other people? Do you serve? Are you like Jesus? Do you show his kindness? Do you know what the studies say? Studies say that if you, if you, show, if you serve, if you, if you spend your life serving other people, you're going to live longer. Listen to this. According to the research at the University of Michigan and Cornell University, doing good for others yields great health benefits and will prolong your life. Studies have shown that people who do volunteer service regularly are far more likely to live longer and less likely to experience a major illness during the course of their lifetime. Wow. That's amazing. Several other recent studies have shown that volunteering to serve others boosts your levels of endorphins. That's that, that, that chemical that kicks into your brain that gives you this natural high that just makes you feel better. And it's there. And endorphins also play a role in lowering your blood pressure, boosting your immunity. You want to fight the coronavirus? Start serving. <laughs> Did you just say that? Yeah. I would add, when you're busy serving other people, you don't have time to envy them. You just don't. So is there any time that you've set aside in your schedule to serve other people? Is there any place where you're serving voluntarily? You say, well, Robert, you don't understand. I'm too busy. Yes, you are. My schedule is just too full. Yes, it is. You need to, you need to kick back some things. You need to find some ways to make time to serve other people. You need to change your schedule. God's not going to reward you for how busy your schedule is. He's not. He's going to evaluate the way you love. He's going to evaluate the way you serve. You say, well, I don't know where to start. And I would say to you, just look around. And you can start here. Why not, when we go to double services, why not worship one and serve one? And find a place where you can serve with your gifts and talents. We need you. We're going to need you during this next season. Man, that could be a huge way to get started. Why not grab a blue card that's in the chairs right in front of you and just put your contact information down on there and then just write in big, bold letters across the front of it, serve, and we'll call you and we'll make some suggestions of places that you can get involved. You could make a difference in the life of other people. You could be a part of the mission in a way that you would find to be so fulfilling and so life-changing, and you'll never want to go back. You'll never want to go back. Love is something you do. And Jesus said, if you want to be great, you have to focus on this one thing because it's the antidote from envy and it'll help a revolution start in your life. You need to love and you need to serve other people. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I just praise you and bless you. Thank you for all that you're doing in our life. Father, I just pray that you would cause us to be people who would renounce envy in our life and become the people that you've called us to be. If you're here right now, just while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, if, if you're here and you would say, Robert, today's message, man, is for me. I realize, and maybe you didn't realize it coming in, but maybe as you listen, you thought, you know what, there's some areas that I'm struggling with, with envy. If that's you, could I just see your hands? I just want to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. But I've got some areas that I'm struggling and envy. Quite a few, so many hands. Man, put your hands down. Lord, I pray for every person this morning who's struggling with envy. I pray, Father, that you would help them to take these five steps and apply them to their life and let it be a major change. I believe, Father, that when they make those steps, they're going to see a huge difference in their life. I think they're going to start to feel some joy in their day-to-day -day thing. I think the worry, some of the, some of the, some of the anxiety, some of the fears, some of the, some of the pressure that they feel, some of the stress that they feel is going to melt away. 
because God, you're doing something amazing. You're bringing them to a new place in their life. And Lord, I just thank you for that. Maybe you're here today and you said, you've never said yes to God. You've never invited Jesus to come into your life and be the Lord of your life. Today's the day to make that step. Today's the day. Today's the day just to say, yes, God, I want to walk with you. I want to know you. Not just know about you. I want to know you. I want to be in a relationship with you. If that's you and you say, Robert, I need to say yes to God. I need to get my life together with him. Would you pray for me? Can I just see your hands? I want to pray for you this morning. It's wherever you are. Thank you. Thank you. So I'll lead you in a prayer right where you are. Say, dear Jesus, come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. Grant me your wisdom. Help me as best I can to follow you and your plan for my life. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. Thank you for helping me to step into your plan for my life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. So here's my prayer for you this week. My prayer for you is that you would start to seek after God with all of your heart. We're praying for a spiritual awakening. Seek after God. Seek after his plan for your life. Follow his plan. When you get busy with that, you won't have time to envy anyone. And it'll change you. Be grateful for the things that he's done in your life. Be grateful for his goodness to you. Be grateful that whenever you're going through a struggle, you don't go through it alone, that he's there and he loves you. That his grace, his mercies, his mercies are new every morning. I need a whole new morning every morning of mercy. And God does that. We have so much to be grateful for. Amen? Amen. Next week, man, I'm digging into one I alluded to. I'm talking about love is humble. Love is humble next week. I want to let you know our growth track is today at 2 p.m. Love for you to come and be involved in that. Growth track is all about learning to experience life to the fullness. And if you want to know what God's plan is for your life, we believe that design reveals destiny. And this is one of the things that our growth track is designed for. It's, it's two weeks, and the second week we really dig into uh, uh, th that idea. The first week is kind of a meet and greet and a little bit of a chance for us to hear your story and tell you ours. And then the second week you get into, man, all the stuff about finding out and discovering who you are and how God's wired you and helping you move towards your purpose. And it's powerful. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of the most interesting classes that we offer. And so that happens over these next two weeks. But today at 2 p.m., the only thing we ask is that you would uh, sign up so we know how many to prepare for. And we'd love to see you back here at 2 p.m. A class lasts about an hour and a half or so. And we'd love for you to come and be a part of that. Uh, next Sunday, Daylight Savings Time begins. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and then March 15th, the Food Truck Sunday. All of that's coming up. Hey, raise your hands. I want to pray one more prayer. Father, I bless every person that's here. Pour your spirit out upon them. Give them wisdom in all that they do. Help them to walk in wisdom according to your word. Let your anointing be on their life. Father, I pray that you would give them divine opportunities to tell other people the story of what you've done in their life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you.